Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of The Untucked Life, where we care a lot more about a lot less. And today, in sticking with the theme of trying out different podcast formats, got some pretty good feedback about the one that I just did where I read uh, some patches, some passages from Marcus Aurelius. And uh, I want to pull on that thread and read an article, actually, that just uh, showed up in my inbox today by Ryan Holiday. And that is called The 10 Ways to Find Stillness in Turbulent Times. I think it's very applicable. Um, Ryan Holiday is a brilliant guy. Um, I'm a big fan of a lot of his work. He wrote Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, Daily Stoic. Just a lot of, of really great uh, timeless uh, pieces. So I'll put links in the show description so you can find him and all of his work. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to do today. So uh, stay tuned for 10 Ways to Find Stillness in Turbulent Times by Ryan Holiday. And after I read that, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what my thoughts are on, uh, on the 10 things that he mentions. Perhaps it takes something as crazy as the world right now to understand what the word stillness means. Intuitively, instinctively, when we hear it, especially right now, we know the importance of stillness. The quiet, the confidence, the gratitude and happiness, the beauty, the ability to step back and reflect, being steady while everything spins around you, acting without frenzy, hearing only what needs to be heard. As Rome was being scourged by plague and war, Marcus Aurelius wrote about being, quote, like the rock that the waves keep crashing over, the one that stands unmoved and the raging of the sea falls still around it. Shrug it all off, he writes. Wipe it clean, every annoyance and distraction, and reach utter stillness. Yes. But how? Thankfully, there are thousands of years of teachings about how to get there. Proven exercises that will help you keep steady, disciplined, focused, at peace, and able to access your full capabilities at any time, in any place, despite any distraction and every difficulty. They come from across all the wisdom of the ancient world. I detail all of them in my book, Stillness is the Key, but here are 10 I adapted specifically for the crazy times we currently find ourselves in. These 10, these 10 ways to achieve stillness will work but only if you work them. One, stop watching the news. The number one thing to filter out if you want more equanimity in your life, the news. Epictetus had it right. You become what you give your attention to. If you yourself don't choose what thoughts and images you expose yourself to, someone else will. He also said that if we wish to improve we must be content to be clueless on extraneous matters. The chatter, the idiots, the breaking gossip, and the trivia that everyone else obsesses over. Not only does the news cost us our peace of mind, but it actually prevents us from creating real change right now. Being informed is important. Watching the news in real time is not how you get there. If you turned off the news in the US in March, what would you have missed? You're still supposed to wear a mask. It's still wrong to be a racist. Still wrong to loot or burn. Incompetent leaders are still incompetent. But if you'd spend that time productively working, what could you have accomplished? And how much less anxious would you be? Two, 
read books. When I look at the stack of books I have managed to get through since the pandemic began seriously in America in March, not only do I feel fondness for the hours spent in those pages, but I know I am better off for what I have learned. Dorothy Day, the Catholic journalist and social activist, wrote in her diary in 1942, put away your daily paper and spend time reading. She meant books. Read big, smart, wonderful books. Read the works of writers who took more time thinking about what they write than their readers do. Read what a writer poured their heart into, not what tries to pull yours out. Read what's timeless, not timely. If you're stressed, stop whatever you're doing and sit down with a book. You'll find yourself calming down. You'll get absorbed into a different world. William Osler, one of the four founders of Johns Hopkins University, told aspiring medical students that when chemistry or anatomy distressed their soul to seek peace in the great pacifier, Shakespeare. It does not have to be plays. Any great literature will do. Books are a way to get stillness on demand. Three, journal. According to her father, Otto, Anne Frank didn't write in her journal every day, but she always wrote when she was upset or dealing with a problem. One of her best and most insightful lines must have come on a particularly difficult day. Quote, paper, she said, has more patience than people. I journaled each morning as a way of starting the day off fresh. I put my baggage down on the page so that I don't have to carry it to meetings or to breakfast with my family. I start the day with stillness by pouring out what is not still in my journal. It's a frustrating world out there, and Anne Frank is right. Paper is more patient than people. Don't forget that there's no right way or wrong way to journal. The point is just to do it. Whether you're brand new to the concept of journaling or you've journaled in the past and fallen out of practice, this ultimate guide to journaling will tell you everything you need to know to help you make journaling one of the best things you do. Four, go for a walk or a run. We are an ambulatory species. And often the best way to find stillness in our hearts and in our heads is to get up and out on our feet. Personally, I've run and walked close to 1300 miles since lockdown started. It's not about burning calories or getting your heart rate up. On the contrary, it's not about anything. It is instead just a manifestation, an embodiment of the concepts of presence, of detachment, of emptying the mind, of noticing and appreciating the beauty of the world around you. Walk away from the thoughts that need to be walked away from. Walk toward the ones that have now appeared. On a good walk, the mind is not completely blank. It can't be. Otherwise, you might trip over a route or get hit by a car or a bicyclist. The point is not, as in traditional meditation, to push every thought or observation from your mind. The point is to see what's around you. The mind might be active while you do this, but it is still. It's a different kind of thinking, a healthier kind if you do it right. A study at New Mexico Highlands University has found that the force from our footsteps can increase the supply of blood to the brain. Researchers at Stanford have found that walkers perform better on tests that measure creative divergent thinking during and after their walks. A study at a Duke University found that walking could be as effective a treatment for major depression in some patients as medication. When you inevitably find yourself a little stuck or frustrated today, go for a walk, or better yet, go for a run. 
enjoy the simple pleasures. If you can teach yourself to be grateful for and to enjoy the ordinary pleasures, you will be happier than just about everyone. A bowl of cereal, a good sunset, a nice conversation with a friend. These are all the moments to treasure. We don't need to become emperor to feel good. We don't need fancy restaurants. We don't need to travel to exotic locations. We have so much available to us right now. The only catch is that you have to be here for it. You have to be present. You have to be grateful. You have to understand that every day you wake up alive and well is wonderful. Build a routine. When things are chaotic and crazy, when the world feels like it's falling apart, we need to create structure. Eisenhower famously said that freedom was properly defined as the opportunity for self-discipline. And so it is with disorder. It's an opportunity to create order. Without a disciplined schedule, chaos and complacency and confusion move in. What was I going to do? What do I wear? What should I eat? What should I do first? What should I do after that? What sort of work should I do? Should I scramble to address this problem or rush to put out this fire? That's not stillness. That's torture. But when you routinize, disturbances give you less trouble. They're boxed out by the order and clarity you build. We need that order and clarity, especially now. If you need some ideas on how to structure your day, here's a routine Marcus Aurelius followed every day. Seek solitude. Randall Stutman, who, decade, who for decades has been the behind-the-scenes advisors for many of the biggest CEOs and leaders on Wall Street, once studied how several hundred senior executives of major corporations recharged in their downtime. The answers were things like swimming, sailing, long-distance cycling, listening quietly to classical music, scuba diving, riding motorcycles, fly fishing. All these activities, he noticed, had one thing in common, an absence of voices. Bill Gates schedules Think Weeks, where he goes off by himself and just reads and thinks. I like to do my thinking while running and swimming, taking walks, and many of my book ideas have come from these activities. And how wonderful have the last few months been without, with fewer meetings, fewer events, with quiet time to yourself, to think, to learn, to reconnect with what matters. Zoom out. Marcus Aurelius wanted us to bear in mind constantly that all of this has happened before and will happen again. The same plot from beginning to end, the identical staging. That's not to say this problem isn't serious. That's not to say we aren't facing real troubles. Of course we are. But we can turn down the volume of our anxiety and fear when we realize that this is just history unfolding before us. When we get overwhelmed or puffed up, we must find relief in remembering that none of this is new. That in fact, this pattern of disease is nauseatingly familiar. It's a pattern that has repeated itself like a fractal across history. Indeed, we could be talking about the uh, Antonine Plague that killed millions of people during Marcus Aurelius's reign, the Black Death, the Spanish flu epidemic 1918, or the Galleria pandemics of the late 19th and early 20th century, just as easily as we today talking about COVID-19. As Marcus would say, all we'd have to do is change a few dates and names. All of this is running according to a tired script as old as time. Don't let it get you down. This, Seneca believed, is the way to make all our problems, even the really vexing and painful ones, 
loosen their grip on us and seem less severe as a result. All you have to do, he said, is this, draw further back and laugh. Make time for hobbies. If action tires your body, but puts your heart at ease, Zunzi said, do it. Winston Churchill loved to paint and lay bricks on his country estate. His predecessor, William Gladstone, loved to chop down trees by hand. Even Jesus liked to go fishing with his friends, assembling a puzzle, struggling with a guitar lesson, sitting on a quiet morning in a hunting bind, steadying a rifle or a bow while we wait for a deer, ladling soup in a homeless shelter, a long swim, lifting heavy weights. These are all great hobbies. One of the lovely trends I've been seeing is people baking bread, canning jams and pickles, and making food for friends and neighbors. They are rediscovering that life is made for living, not just for working. They are rediscovering the joy, simple activity. Mine are running and swimming and working on my farm. The last five, even the last five evenings, my four-year-old and I went fishing for a few minutes after dinner. Engaged in these activities, my body is busy, but my mind is open. My, my heart is too. Do something for the greater good. The phrase common good appears more than 80 times in Marcus Aurelius's meditations. He said a good life simply about moving from one selfish action to another. Only there, he said, can we find delight and stillness. If we want to be good and feel good, we have to do good. Remember the Boy Scout slogan, do a good, do a good turn daily. It can be big or it can be small. It can be picking up trash you find on the ground or rushing to the scene of an accident. Doing good creates spiritual stillness. It makes the world a better place, especially in a time where we seem to have lost our community mindedness. Instinctually, overwhelmingly, everyone is now focused on themselves and their immediate unit. Gone is the spirit of common good that Marcus talks so much about. Replacing it is anti-vaxxing, anti-mask, people having COVID parties so they can get the virus and be done with the hassle. The immunocompromised be damned. Don't let the modern spirit of selfishness infect you. Instead, focus on remembering what we are here. We are here for each other. We are part of something bigger than ourselves, a greater good to which we all owe a duty, above and beyond our own selfishness, concerns, and desires. There is no one more still and admirable than the person who takes the duty seriously, and no one less still and admirable than the person who blows it off. Stillness has been the secret weapon of the Stoics and the Buddhists, the Christians, the followers of Confucius, Epicurus, and so many others for thousands of years for a reason, because it can help us thrive in a world that's spinning faster than ever. Stillness is the key to the good life. Whatever that looks like for you, it's the key to career success, to happiness, to enduring adversity, to appreciating the wonders of existence. You know you want more of it. You know how special it is. We have all felt its power. Now go get more of it. All right, and those are 10 Ways to Achieve Stillness by Ryan Holiday, who I am a huge fan of. So what I wanted to do is just go back through uh, some of these and just touch on them and talk about either what I do or what I've tried, what works, what I don't think works. Um, 
it was interesting today I was in a meeting and somebody made a office what is it office space no the office uh, reference to the office and I had no idea what they were talking about uh, so I obviously didn't get the joke and um, one of one of the people in the meeting they know that I like have uh, the podcast and do some writing and whatnot uh, they said Nate doesn't watch uh, Nate doesn't watch TV he's woke so um, from someone who has been uh, labeled let's say as woke uh, I'll just touch on some of these and let you know uh, what I think about them. The first one, stop watching the news. I literally never watch the news. I've never been a huge fan of the news, but um, I could tell you, depending on what channel I turn on, um, Donald Trump is the best thing that ever happened to the United States. Donald Trump is also the worst thing that ever happened to the United States. Joe Biden is going to save the United States. Joe Biden is going to destroy the United States. Uh, depending on where you look, COVID is probably either going up and getting worse and the world's going to end, or it's all been made up and it's just a political scam. Uh, you, can, you can literally find everything out there. Uh, someone probably died in some horrendous way i am sure there is still racism and gender uh, inequality and probably some celebrity drama and someone is having someone's baby and it's it doesn't change substantively day to day so i do not watch the news hardly ever i find the news um to be significantly way too extreme and a lot of the information is not really relevant. Um, if let's say there's a hurricane coming to Florida, my wife will tell me, or I'll hear about it through other people. I don't need to watch 47 storm tracker updates uh, to know that. So about watching the news, I don't do it. Not a fan. If that's your cup of tea, I would try to stop or maybe watch it less or only for like 10 minutes. Let's see, read books. I'm a big fan of books. I used to make fun of people that read books <laughs> when I was in when I was in high school and knew everything. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I would make fun of people, but I definitely didn't appreciate them. Uh, there's a pretty significant stack of books right behind me. I've got a bookshelf with probably 50 to 75 books on it. Um, a lot of them focus on. Um, I don't. I don't want to use the term self-help because I feel like that's loaded, but a lot of them are about um, just different ways to think, mental models, books on Steve Jobs, um, books on uh, vulnerability, uh, books from Tim Ferriss, books from Ryan Holiday. But if you think about it, if somebody worked their whole life on an idea or on a concept and then they put everything they learned for their whole life inside of a book, and you could basically get the highlights of their whole life's work by reading a book. Why wouldn't you do that? Um, and also, if you find the right books, they are timeless, like Ryan was saying. And the, uh, what we read in the last podcast were meditations from Marcus Aurelius that were written 2,000 years ago. And some of that stuff still applies. So 
those are the types of things I think are worth ingesting, not so much the, um, like, gossip magazines or any of that other um, garbage. Not that it doesn't have its place. It's just not the same type of, it's not the same type of input, right? Uh, journal. So this is something I go back and forth on with journaling, which is one reason I like the podcast. I feel like not that it is a substitute for journaling, um, but it does give me a place to put my thoughts and get them out of my head. I like that um, Ryan kind of refers to his journal as putting down the things that he's not still with. So if there's something you're struggling with, just literally writing it down and getting it out of your head and putting it on paper. It's like you give... It's like the paper is now responsible for the thought and you aren't. So I know a lot of people have mixed emotions about journals. Oh, what if somebody finds my journal and reads it? I mean, I guess that could happen, but how many people are actively looking for your journal so they can read it? And if they are, I think you've got some other like situational problems that you might want to address. So I'm definitely a big fan of journaling. I carry around a book with me. Uh, one of those moleskin books with me all the time. Um, I wouldn't say um, I don't have a practice in the sense of journaling every day, but I'm looking at a journal that's open in front of me right now at my desk, and I do put my thoughts down in there. I think it's very helpful. And again, podcasting helps um, as well. Go for a walk or a run. I've always been a big fan of going to the gym, or doing something. I normally work out in the morning. It's been a little bit different this week because kids just went back to school, so mornings are a little bit crazy. Um, Mostly because I'm not used to the kids being awake in the morning, so that's just different. Um, But typically I'd wake up, we've got some stuff in the garage, um, an elliptical on a bike, and since I can't really lift weights with my wrist injury, I would typically just get on the elliptical, start my day off, just doing that, listen to a book, listen to a podcast, just listen to music. Um, and it's just a good way to start the day. It just helps me, I don't know, like get refreshed, so to speak. We've also been taking the dogs for a walk. Uh, we did that a couple times last week. That was pretty fun too, doing that kind of after dinner. So definitely do something, move around. Um, you're not meant to sit at a desk or on the couch all day. Enjoy the simple pleasures. This is, um, it sounds funny, but I think that this is something that is almost too obvious. I think one thing with the pandemic that it has done is kind of forced you to, um, you know, maybe your date nights look different, right? Maybe instead of going to dinner, you're, you're ordering Tijuana flats and having it delivered, right? Or maybe you're making homemade pizza and you and the kids are just sitting around and, and that's your, that's your replacement for going out to dinner, right? It's just you and them and you're popping your own popcorn and renting a movie from Amazon or, or something else. But these are all very simple things. I mean, we all are in fairly good situations. You probably have electricity. You probably have internet. You're probably not struggling for much. But are you enjoying... Um, you know, waking up and, and eating breakfast with your kids before they go to school? Or are you just passing those things by as too ordinary? I think the ordinary things are the things that if you pay attention to those a little bit more and stop focusing on the, um, events, right. You know, 
a party that's coming up or a birthday or a holiday and start appreciating um, just the subtleties in life. Uh, I think that that helps out a lot. I know it helps me. Build a routine. Um, it is, what time is it? 10.30 right now. I'm recording this podcast. And I try to record them at night. And it's just easier. It's too hard to do it during the day. But I find that if I come into my office and I have, I don't want to call it a set, a set routine because I'm still relatively new to this, but it's like, okay, well, you're going to go make something. So go in your office, you could write, you could record a podcast, you could build a website, whatever. But that's your time for making. Makes me significantly more uh, productive and it also kind of gives me something to look forward to. So if I wake up, um, you know, I work out, shower, go to work, you're at work most of the day, you come home, you have dinner, you hang with your kids, maybe we play Madden, maybe we go in the pool, maybe we go for a walk. They go down to sleep. I come in my office and work or record a podcast or write. Um, it just makes things a little bit easier. It's a little bit more structured. You know how you're going to spend your time. There's a lot less um, a lot less randomness. Um, I think that really helps. So try that out. Seek solitude. I'm a big fan of when I wake up in the morning and the house is really quiet, just sitting in. I've got these two like oversized chairs kind of by a fireplace in the house. And I'll just wake up and just sit there in that chair. Um, if I have my phone, I'm not on it, or I try not to be on it, and I just like to sit there and just listen to how quiet the house is, if that makes any sense. Um, it's just a nice way to uh, start the day. And it just gives you a, a second, almost like meditation, it just gives you a second to take a step back and just um, kind of think about what you're thinking about, like what's on your mind? What are the, what are the things that are, um, gnawing at you or that are unsettled? And I just like to, to sit like that. Um, even if just for a few minutes, uh, I think it's really helpful. The next one, let's see, zoom out. Uh, this is huge, man. Perspective is huge. Um, it's very easy to think that somehow we are so unique that our current situation is just so groundbreaking that no one ever has dealt with anything like this before. Um, and also with news, right? Uh, in your ear, constantly radicalizing everything. It's like things sometimes feel a lot worse than they are. And um, I think from a historical perspective, and I know I, I did not really um, spend that much time paying attention to history when I was in school, at least not with the intent of, oh, if I pay attention to this, it'll help me understand what's going to happen in the world when I'm a grown up. Um, I definitely didn't appreciate it like that. But I, I do think that if you zoom out and you kind of take a macro look at what's going on, whether it's in the stock market, whether it's political, specifically political, um, it'll just help you have a better appreciation for, oh, look, um, this has happened before. It happened 20 years ago. It happened a hundred years ago. It happened a thousand years ago. Um, and just gives you some perspective, uh, because oftentimes history repeats itself and, uh, sometimes you can learn from it or at least not feel so totally isolated. Right. Next one, make time for hobbies. 
uh, podcasting, right, is a hobby of mine. So I like to podcast. Um, I like to write. I also like to work on my Jeep. Um, like to do like home improvement projects and build stuff uh, like furniture or redesign my office, what I'm looking at right now. Uh, and those things are really important. It's very easy to um, pass pass up on, especially when you have a family and you have kids, like pass up on your hobbies and stop doing them, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's baking or what are other hobbies, sewing or um, gardening. Those all sound like hobbies, right? And you just stop doing them because you have kids and you don't have time. And well, let me tell you something, the better you are as an individual, um, the better you feel, the better headspace you're in, the better parent you're going to be, the better husband you're going to be, the better wife you're going to be. So you're not doing anybody favors. Any You're not doing anyone any favors by being a martyr and sacrificing your own um, health or happiness for the sake of the greater good because you're probably just going to be miserable anyways and everyone's going to suffer um, that misery. So don't do that. Take some time, recharge, do your hobbies. And sometimes your hobbies can turn into new careers or passions or maybe you can, you know, grow some vegetables or something. Some people like to eat vegetables. Uh, the next one, do something for the greater good. I think this is um, very helpful, especially from a perspective standpoint, right? This will help shift your perspective. You go and you volunteer at um, um, Metropolitan Ministries or the Boys and Girls Club or the YMCA, and you see people that are in far worse situations than you, doing far more than you are uh, with what they've been given. And it just, it, selfishly, I think it helps provide some perspective. So sure, maybe you're helping them. Maybe you're mentoring them. Maybe you're the one volunteering, but they're the ones that are educating you, right? Oftentimes. So get involved in a cause. Maybe um, you do a walk for charity, or maybe you volunteer somewhere, or maybe you, um, you know, donate. I would say physically getting involved is probably more impactful than just writing a check and sending it off to some unknown organization. But yeah, I'm sure there's something going on in your community that you could be a part of. And that was the last one. So those are my thoughts on Ryan's 10 tips for finding stillness. So I'll leave a link in the show description that will send you to Ryan's uh, website. His stuff is really, really good. Um, I'm a huge fan, as you can tell. And uh, that wraps up another episode of The Untucked Life, where we care a lot more about a lot less. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Again, just trying out a different format. Um, I really appreciate the, the ideas that Ryan Holiday puts together and wanted to share them here with you guys because I think you could find great value in them as well. Uh, so maybe the next time I get something from him, I'll uh, do a similar podcast. So um, until next time, we'll... Uh, Catch you guys later. See ya.